interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. I am Brad Ward, your host, and the one and only Jared Mueller, managing editor of the Browns Wire USA Today Sports Media Groups. The Browns Wire is with me tonight to uh, make sense of the madness as I put in our thumbnail there. If I don't know if you saw that, Jared, I don't know if we can make any sense of this madness, but we could try. You know, I think uh, if anybody can, it's maybe us. I mean, at this point in time, who knows? Yeah, we'll give it a shot. Why not? Uh, let's uh, let's talk. How are you, sir? Good. Got to golf a little tonight. Um, you know, we're kicking this off nine o'clock, so I'll get to bed at a reasonable time for old people like me. And uh, you know, dealing with a, a toddler with fur is how our dog is described by our vet, uh, and, and she's kind of hitting those terrible twos. Uh, but she is absolutely a toddler with fur, uh, and for a 25-pound dog, can uh, her bark can pierce some ears. So if you see me muted all of a sudden, it's because Dottie decided to, to, to handle some business. So uh, better than whatever you're dealing with over there right now. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. We got uh, some sort something flying right in my face. Imagine that right when we start the show here. <laughs> uh, so that's okay. I'll deal with it. Um all right, let's. This is all eyes on Cleveland. You know, we. Uh, I took a little hiatus from the YouTube thing and the video thing here, but we're back. Uh, Rebrand. Hope you liked the video at the beginning. Uh, that's kind of pretty cool. And then uh, we got the new logo. The bottom. We are officially uh, Blue Wire Podcast now. Sign the contract and everything. Uh, and of course, uh, I write for the Browns Wire as well. So. Top man Jared Mueller, my boss, here with me tonight on the the uh, comeback to video here. So uh, let's let's do it, sir. Uh, let's talk. Okay, end of Deshaun Watson hearing day th- two, three, two, two. Yep, day two. It will go into day three. Multiple sources have said so. They will meet again tomorrow in front of Sue Robinson. I mean. Where is this being held again? Delaware? Yeah, they're over in Delaware. It's her home state. Okay, so what are they? They just went to her? Is that it? Is that how this works? Yeah, they, they, uh, yeah, they, she's the independent arbitrator, so she kind of gets to call the shots on where it's happening, how it's happening. Uh, my guess is it's in her professional law office, uh, uh, conference room, those types of things, uh, you know, as a normal arbitration might take place not a real courtroom or anything like that okay so i mean we don't know anything really right like so we've heard i've heard total opposites from different people i've heard you know uh 92.3's been running the gambit of everybody that can talk on the subject i've listened to just about every interview some actually surprised me today albert breer saying he thought things were kind of Maybe by him reading the tea leaves saying maybe he thought things were going Watson's way a little bit at this point. Uh, we have a report that you wrote on that was very interesting uh, that the NFL 
wants to avoid the appeals process altogether, right? So, all right. And Dustin Fox has been saying this for two days. You know, as you mentioned on the show before, whatever Sue Robinson decides, really, Goodell can appeal to Goodell and do whatever (laughs) he wants, right? I mean, so what's the point? Like, do they really, do you really think they want to reveal the appeals process? Because it'll make them look bad if they have to use it, right? Yeah, that's really it. This is the first time Sue Robinson or the independent arbitrator has been used. And so if she gives a, listen, if she said no, uh, well, first, if she says, the reason it's set up this way is basically the NFLPA wanted something so that Roger Goodell and the NFL couldn't kind of screw an innocent player. That's kind of the idea is if Sue Robinson says, Deshaun Watson or any player did not violate the policy, it is over. It does not matter what the NFL thinks, what the NFL wants. So they wanted something in place so that no one really got kind of railroaded. Uh, But I think if, you know, Sue Robinson says two games, the NFL can kind of rightfully kind of from a PR perspective go, we think women are, are more valuable than this, that we are going to up it. We're going to give it to eight. We're going to do whatever. Um, but I don't think they can, you know, with an arbitrator and we just got to be honest for her with her being a woman, if she gives him eight to 10 games or 12 games, it is a PR kind of slap in the face to uh, a seasoned judge. She's got 20 some years of experience to say your judgment of eight, 10, 12 games isn't enough lady. We're going to do it our way. So I do think they want to avoid the appeals process. The problem is, is the only way you can do that really is by doing something that Deshaun Watson's side would agree to in a negotiation. And they were forcing a one year suspension minimum in those negotiations. And obviously Watson's side didn't approve that. So I just think it's uh, unlikely that the appeals process will not be used by Watson. The NFL on the other hand has a little bit more of that PR to do, but if, if it is six, eight games, from what I understand, Watson's party may, again, may is the word I'm going to use, may say, okay, let's get it over with. Six, eight games, cool. Ten might even do that. Beyond that is where I think you're going to see an appeal from Watson. Okay. And eight to ten games, is the NFL leave it alone? Do they have the – I mean, so here, maybe, right, if they really want to avoid the appeals process, they have to walk a really thin line, my understanding is here, right? Like, so – it comes across to me, Jared, and tell me if I'm wrong, that the amount of outlets that have come out with year-long, got to be a year-long, uh, banishment, uh, all this stuff, that, you know, that the NFL, uh, you know, indefinite suspension, right, that the NFL wanted to get that out there that clearly this is the NFL's goal. So if it comes up short than that, hey, we did our best. Yeah, there's a little of that. Actually, the reason it came up the way it did, there's a, there's a, I mean, obviously, like anything, there's a lot of details. In the CBA, I guess the NFL's required 10 days before a hearing is set. Uh, they have to provide some information to Watson's party in this case. And part of that that they have to provide to Watson's party is what they are going to ask for or what they're going to demand or what they believe the appropriate punishment will be. Some types of details like that, uh, including, I think, also, um, you know, if they're going what evidence has to be turned over 10 days ago or 
10 days ago from Tuesday. There's some details in the CBA and in the arbitration process that requires certain things. It's why 10 days ago we started hearing or 12 days ago, whatever it would be at this point, we started hearing those rumors kind of pop up. And then a few days after that, we heard the NFLPA thinks, right, because they couldn't actually legit say it because that's leaking. But the NFLPA thinks the NFL wants a year. It's because they already knew that. They were told by the NFL the minimum, our recommendation is going to be an indefinite suspension that could be appealed or uh, re- requested to for reinstatement within one after one year. That is what the NFL's recommendation is. And from some conversations, communications today, uh, they have some reasons behind that uh, that are seemingly manipulative to me, but also understandable. What do you mean by that? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So bluntly, number one, an indefinite suspension means if anything else comes out, they can just keep it going. Right. So one of the problems with uh, I believe it was Ray Rice and then the kicker from the New York Giants. Can't think of his name right now. Um, they gave out suspensions and then more information came out um, and they can't double up. Right. They, yeah, they can't do that. So if they get an indefinite suspension, they're set up that they can say, well, these other four cases, civil, something comes up out of those. Right. Or if anybody else files criminal charges, we can still keep this thing going. The other thing, from what I understand, is there is a belief that if he gets the indefinite suspension, that the request to um to come back off of that suspension after a year goes through the league and Robinson is done. So if they get what they want from Robinson, then they are now in charge. When does Watson get to come back? And he has to bend over backwards and do, you know, jump through hoops. And we saw this with Josh Gordon. I was just going to say Josh Gordon ask here, right? Yeah. But you know, he had literally one drink of alcohol on a plane and all of a sudden he's suspended again. Right. Again, not excusing, but, that's what the NFL kind of wants. They want it open-ended. So if anything else happens, they still got their claws in this one. And they want to be able to say, we get to decide when you come back and you got to bend over backwards for us. We want proof of your counseling. And listen, they don't really care that much about privacy. And so they want to know what's being talked about and some of those details. So um, that's what I'm hearing is one of the biggest reasons they want an indefinite or the two biggest reasons they want that indefinite suspension is not just length, but it's control and it's flexibility. Yeah. they. I mean, they don't want to get hit again with like a, a, a rush of, uh, you know, filing more cases and then they can't take action anymore because of the suspension one time. Do you think at all, I had, um, I don't know if you heard it or listened to it, but I had uh, uh, Steinberg on, uh, the guy that uh, The super was, agent? Yeah, super agent. Uh, Lee. Yeah. J- yeah, Lee Steinberg. Sorry, thank you for correcting me. One of the nicest dudes in the world. Very nice guy. Uh, Jerry Maguire, uh, you know, he had some good stories about that stuff. But uh, so, but he was on, and he kept referencing the year off. For Watson, no, no factor, right? In Zero. Your, in your opinion, no. I mean, it it literally it just doesn't. Yeah, well, not even just a doesn't. It literally is the Texans and Watson agreed to that. Like that was an agreement. 
Listen, we, where the conspiracy theory, yeah, the conspiracy theory starts with Deshaun Watson told the Houston Texans, "I am not playing for you because your owner made some comments that." Uh, made it clear that he thinks he owns us literally uh, and I'm not playing for you guys again. And then all of a sudden all this stuff started. And so Watson was like, I don't want to play for you guys. And the Texans are like, well, no one's going to trade for you because all of this investigation and we don't want you playing for us either because of the investigation, not because what you wanted. So they agreed to it so that he got paid his $10 million or whatever, you know, that salary specifically was and didn't play because he said, okay, I won't play. Um, and got to not speak to the media, um, you know, and so he got what he wanted. The Texans got what they wanted and then got the big trade. So nothing about last year, quite frankly, matters except for, you know, when he actually gets to see the field, how long will it have been since he played football? Uh, and it sounds like if the NFL gets their way, it's going to be a full two years between taking snaps in any kind of real NFL thing. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what's actually going on in those rooms. We don't really know here, but we know it's the NFL versus the NFLPA. The NFLPA, is his name Kessler? Yeah, uh, I always want to say Cody. It's uh, Jeff Kessler? I think that's right. Uh, He is pretty infamous guy right bulldog they call him i mean he was up for brady deflate gate right like he's nflpa's go-to guy here right and yep. they are feel very strongly from what i've heard reported that they have a good case for watson here him rusty harden working together right uh are putting this information in front of sue robinson is that correct is that how you would describe yeah. what they're doing yeah absolutely the nflpa basically says these are our guys uh, Watson may or may not speak to Robinson, depending on what the two lawyers and Robinson want. Uh, from what I understand from Watson, since this all started, he answers every single question, doesn't back down from anything, admits what he did, didn't do. Like his consistency with his story uh, has been pretty clear to everybody, and he's willing to answer those questions. So most likely he would talk to Robinson if Robinson wants that. Um, but yeah, so Jeffrey Kessler. Uh, Rusty Harden. Rusty Harden's famous from the Roger Clemens uh, situation. Literally believe that there is no proof and that nothing happened that would be considered a violation of any kind of policies, procedures, anything like that. Listen, we all know however many massages and however awkward he is and, and listen, hooking up with the number that he said he's hooked up with, if that's accurate, all of that we know is weird, right? We know is a little creepy, whatever term we want to use. Yeah. But none of that matters. That's not policy, right? That's not legal. Right. It's weird. It's creepy. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't make any sense to us. And so the NFLPA uh, believes they that's what their argument is, is not only that there's not any of that, that you, you literally haven't disciplined owners involved in things. Uh, I'm just learning, and I haven't got to research it about – some kind of peeping Tom issue in the Dallas Cowboys. Oh boy. Uh, that that had been an issue that has been resolved, but no punishment to anybody really involved in that. We know the Robert Kraft story. I wrote about that earlier. It was caught on tape, uh, admitted to it. It was a there's no consent there because that was uh women in uh that were being sex tra- trafficked. So yes, obviously he didn't maybe know that, but uh, no punishment there because his 
privacy was violated is, is how it was it came down but there was videotape of it and there was charge that was dropped because of the privacy issue and no penalty for him so obviously there's differences lots of them uh but the nflpa really believes they have a strong case and would say to you they believe that no punishment being ruled by robinson not only no punishment but no the important part is actually that he, that he did not violate the policy should be still on the table and is still a reasonable outcome I don't believe that's a reasonable outcome, but I don't matter. Right. So let's get, I want to, you have a really good grasp for this and you're, you're listening and watching all eyes on Cleveland. Uh, this is a special guest, uh, friend of show, uh, my boss, managing editor, the Browns wire, Jared Mueller, the great Jared Mueller. And he has a really good grasp for this stuff. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you a little bit more here. So, the, my understanding is, and we talked about this before, how vague the code of conduct really is, right? So you can really kind of put anything under that umbrella if you want to. But I, I've understood, come to understand a little bit more here recently, that it's really about protecting the NFL, the shield, right? So, like, if you do something, doesn't matter if it's illegal or not, but it, it, it shines a bad light on the NFL, technically that can fall under the code of conduct. Is that right? So that I don't, I haven't actually been able to really kind of parse all of the code of conduct, but yes. So anything that the NFL deems to be, um, doesn't fit. Right. So if you think of any other employment, you have an employee contract that says, you know, some people work for networks that you can't drink at company events, right. You can't drink alcohol. Um, so, Anything that they think doesn't fit and and has some kind of guideline to it, right? Not, um, I mean, it goes back to at some point you couldn't be sponsored by anything gambling, right? Or, you know, specific alcohol, some of those kind of things. So it's kind of in that route where, you know, the NFL has to be able to say this, we don't think this fits what an NFL player should do. But remember, it, it also very clearly says owners and executives should be um, handled at a, or have higher expectations, and so it's very clearly uh, delineated out that an owner, an executive, a GM, whatever, uh, coaches, sh- uh, head coach, all that kind of stuff, should have uh, be held to a higher standard than players uh, and punished as such. But yeah, so legal, illegal, doesn't really matter. NFL, inappropriate, whatever. And so far, based on the evidence we know of, and I'm not saying, listen, Jenny Varentes does a great job. A lot of other people, I've tried to read as much as I can. So sure. far, from what I understand, the evidence we have of inappropriate is an apology text. I'm sorry I made you feel uncomfortable. Um, and some other kind of statement. Again, all of the women, all of their statements, that's evidence as well. Uh, but evidence outside of statements from the women that I understand is the NDAs that the Texans provided him to get to them to sign uh, the fact that he didn't use the Texans massage people also added to that. The hotel, the Houstonian, has an amazing massage parlor. He didn't use them either, right? So, <laughs> like, it is three levels deep. He was literally asking for untrained. He didn't care. No. You got anybody else that will massage me? Right. Get him on over here, right? So that's part of that awkwardness, but we don't have a ton of evidence uh, that I understand outside of the women's testimony, which is real, which is important, uh, of of the specific behaviors 
that the NFL could suspend him for. So I found this interesting, Jared, and I heard a couple people, you know, in the past couple days kind of come at the NFL this way that, okay, so in their case that they've brought in front of Sue Robinson, they've only brought five accusers. And they took like, you know, like you would in any situation, you go to your strongest, right? So they, they, they brought their five strongest cases with the most corroborative evidence they can have, you know, text messages is I think the extent of it or social media is pretty much the extent of any kind of uh, corroboration to their, their claims. Other than that, it sounds like he said versus she said, um, almost all the way through. So here's your five cases. Now, do you find that strange that they would only do that? Is that because of a time constraint? Because it seems like part of the overwhelming, not that five is small, because it's still a big number, right? uh, right? But the 24 is like what kind of blows people out of the water. So when you only present five of your strongest cases and Sue Robinson sits back and says, that's it, you know, he's saying this and you're saying this and you're trying to corroborate that with a text message or a, you know, Instagram direct message or whatever. Uh, That's all you have for your five strongest. Is that a problem for the NFL? I mean, what else are they bringing besides that? Do you have any idea? You know, I I don't have a ton. There is um, some communication um, from what I understand. And I don't know if then here's where it gets tricky. I don't know these five fit this right like sure we know that the nflpa is bringing uh instagram and and messaging and texting and emails or whatever of some of the victims whether or the the uh alleged victims of some of the 24 bragging about working with deshaun watson saying they want to work with him again some of that kind of stuff but i don't know if it's of these five um and so you know, I, I don't know what there is some communication between um, that spa owner, that random spa owner from a kind of a strip mall to these women as well. So there's some of that, that that's out there. Again, I don't know if it's a part of the five or just the 24 or whatever. I think the hard thing is, is that not only will we not have the information, uh, all the information, but we won't have the logic behind the decision. Right. Because the decision yeah. doesn't have to be logical. Where's right? the it checks and balances done. here, Jared? Where I mean, so we won't ever get a transcript or anything of what happened in these rooms. No, no, and there will be broad statements made, unless. And I want to be clear here. I'm not even sure the new CBA allows it the way it did when Tom Brady tried it. But if they go that direction, different conversation. Um, but again, that's a question of does Deshaun Watson and the NFL, well, I know the NFL doesn't want discovery. The NFL has no interest in discovery in any situation. But does Deshaun Watson want discovery to go through actually you know, sure. a lawsuit? Um, but no, checks and balances, you know, unfortunately, uh, the NFL, you don't you don't have a right to play in the NFL, I guess, is, is the best way I'll say that. I'm not yeah. saying I'm OK with that statement, uh, but the NFL doesn't think you have a right to play there. You, it is a privilege to play there, and if they don't like what you're doing, um, I don't know if it. I don't know how all the contract language works and all that stuff, you know. But I'm at Ohio's an at will state. You can fire me for no reason. You can't fire me for the wrong reasons, but right. you can fire me for no reason. So um, I think it's just so interesting that 
we want to make it logical because that you know it, things that make sense are okay for us. I don't know the so logic. It, it makes sense. It, I'm just not sure we're gonna get anything that makes sense. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because it's all speculation. There's there's people saying that oh, it's going. It feels like it's going this way, and it's people that are in in a place of the no, right? And there's other people saying uh, that this is a very prosecutorial atmosphere, right? I, I heard that quote today uh, because of Sue Robinson and the way that it's set up. It, it, it's leaning toward, you know, everything is set up for them to get what they want in this. So you're hearing both sides. Nobody's in the actual rooms. So it's, I mean, what are we doing, right? So uh, this, I thought about this though, when you said that, you know, I know part of the NFLPA's defense is the whole owner defense, right? Like, okay, you know, they should be held to a higher standard. However, isn't this the first instance of this? This is the first instance of them using this aspect of a CBA that was recently changed. So any precedent before kind of goes out the window, right? Like, can't they say this is the first time we had a neutral arbitrator? This is the first time since we changed the CBA this way. So for all that stuff with Kraft and Jones and all, none of that applies because this is the first time we've done it this way. They could. Um, I'm actually looking up just to make sure I have the dates. Uh, they could accept two things. One, uh, Robert Kraft was in 2020. This The CBA has been around for two years. CBA was active in September of 2020. The second thing is, is this is the only time it's come to to Sue Robinson for two reasons. One, they've settled with Zeke and at least one other person. I can't think of off the top of my head. The other is they didn't freaking actually do an investigation and press charge. They didn't want a suspension, right? So they didn't ask for a trial. So none of them happened, right? Robert Kraft didn't come in front of Sue Robinson because the NFL is like, you're good. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. So, yes, there is some precedent. There is some precedent that's going to be set here. And I think that's what's going to be interesting is Sue Robinson does not owe anything to the NFL. What I would love to know or see, which I'm guarantee we'll never see, or I'm pretty sure, is what the language when they hired Sue Robinson, right? That lady is on retainer as a judge. Like, I can't imagine what a retainer fee for a judge is, but I'm guessing it ain't small. I want to know what her marching orders were because they were agreed to by the NFL and the NFLPA. I want to understand what was she given direction besides here's our policy, right? This is the policy. You decide whether the player broke it or not. You decide punishment. You can have any history information you want. Or was she told something else? Was she given another direction? Because if not, Sue Robinson doesn't have to give a darn about what the NFL has done before. She can say, she could literally come out and say, you guys failed with Robert Kraft. You guys failed with X, Y, and Z. Boom. Or she could go, you guys haven't been punishing people enough. Deshaun Watson should never play in the NFL again. She could do, unless I'm unaware of what power she was given, she can do any of that. And so we have no clue. And you're right. No one's in the room. And if you've ever been in a room where you thought something was going one way, and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I thought she was into me and she's not. Yeah. Yeah. That can happen easily. Right. So people are just giving their impression. We have no clue. Sue Robinson is probably up there going, Hmm, tell me more. She's asking questions. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, And people are just giving, you know, the AP is getting, is seemingly reporting things as if they're in the room. I'm pretty confident they're not. Yeah, I, I don't think they are. I, I don't think anybody's in there uh, that uh, could be report like that. Uh, so, all right. 
That's a fantastic point. I want to just go for you just made a really, really good point. There's no baseline. It's like a concussion, right? Where's the baseline for her ruling? Like, where does she start? Does she start in 1980, 1990? Does she have to go back through the history of the NFL and all their rulings? Or does she just take a fresh crack at her interpretation of the NFL code of conduct based on her her past because the way she reads it is going to be different than the way you read it i read it anybody reads it so when, so it's a total crapshoot as far as that goes uh i guess i mean there's really no nothing to go she's never ruled on a sports uh thing ever in her history i heard somebody say that she's on retainer for two years for the nfl so if something else comes up in the next two years that requires it, it's gonna be sue robinson again and she's paid equally from the nflpa and the nfl interesting stuff uh i wonder you know how much conversation she's had with roger goodell uh i also heard that goodell can pass the if they did use the appeals process he could pass the appeals process on to someone else again i mean i guess that would be a way to kind of backdoor the appeals process to get what they want if this doesn't come out the way they want right like hey i'm gonna tap xyz who clearly is going to do what i want but it's not what i want so it looks a little bit better right jared we have a good idea who that probably would be and that's troy vincent yeah who works for the nfl but is an ex-player but works for the nfl hey i let troy vincent handle the appeal he's one of you guys no he's not his paycheck has your name on it man yeah absolutely Uh, yeah so it's just it's so interesting. And what I, uh, you know, Jake Burns, friend of your show, friend of mine, obviously, uh, we've been, all we want is clarity. And I yeah. don't know. And, and listen, let's be very clear. The worst thing, I don't care what you're rooting for from uh, covering this team, rooting for this team, whatever you are, the worst thing is an indefinite suspension. We still don't get clarity after literally two years for Deshaun Watson, a, a long time, it feels like for Browns people. We don't get clarity even in his suspension. Like that's where I feel like <laughs> I will I will I I mean we can just be clear here. Covering the team is hard right now. Very. Uh, and I'm not complaining. Listen, this is first world problems all over. But what do we talk about that isn't this that we can find some clarity? How's Amari Cooper going to do? I don't know who's his freaking quarterback, right? What are they going to do in the run game? I don't know. Who's the freaking quarterback, right? Like what does salary cap look like? I have a piece up from a week ago or two. 10 Holy or 70 million rolling yeah, over. Seven, they'll have $70 million in salary cap room next year if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a season. Are you going to let the Cleveland Browns have $70 million of cap space and possibly have Deshaun Watson on your roster? Holy mother of pearl if Andrew Berry might not just go nuts. Yeah. Uh, what if that happened? That's a very real possibility, Jared. I mean, they could do whatever they wanted literally and they, they've been building for the cap to grow significantly but at 70 million you know obviously they, they got to get a little flexible but they could front load so many things to say every free agent you get 15 mil to come here for one year that you normally you're going to get 10 over here for two or whatever it was yeah they have they would have a lot of flexibility but again if it's indefinite those players don't know if Watson's getting uh, approved and the timing would be very clear one year from the ruling. 
one year from the ruling is going to be July. That means all of free agency, the draft, everything is done next year. Training camp hasn't started yet. And the Browns don't know if Deshaun Watts is their quarterback. We yeah. can't, like, I can't handle that. I can't deal with that bull crap. Yeah, basically, it's going to be deja vu next year this time, right? Like, as far as a lot of that goes, if it was indefinite, correct? Now, let me just be clear on this. It tolls if he gets a year, no matter what, how they label it. Or is there some language they can use, like the banishment language or uh, just suspended for a year, uh, uh, indefinite? All of that makes his, his year toll, right? It doesn't actually matter. What matters is if he plays. So okay. they could say whatever they want, but if he's not on PUP, IR, the roster uh, for six games, doesn't matter what it's called, it tolls. And so the worst thing for the NFL and the rest of the NFL is somehow like a 13-game suspension or a 12-game suspension. 12-game suspension, a literal 12, not weak, but 12 games of suspension means Deshaun Watson plays five games for the Cleveland Browns this year and his contract tolls and they have $70 million cap space next year and have him for five more years on top of that. So if he don't play six games, that contract tolls. That's incredible. I've heard 12 throwing out so much too in that appeals process. It feels like, all right. You gotta give me your gut feeling at this point. It's hard. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm Brad Ward, the host. Uh, Jared Mueller, uh, special guest and friend of show, managing editor of the Browns Wire USA Today Sports Media Group is here with me. We were talking to Sean Watson. Give me your feel. I, I mean, so you've heard all this stuff. You know, you know the ins and outs of this and everything that's going on. We've heard people say it feels like it's going to Sean's way, and the NFL's panicking a little bit. We've heard the opposite. Uh, Goodell can step in and, and hammer down any time, but there's a lot of optics involved in that. We've covered all that at this point, right? Uh, just tonight, even you know. So what? is your feel does it feel like post appeal just tell me what you think is going to happen go yeah, ahead i think i think in the end i think in the end deshaun watson doesn't play football for the cleveland browns this year okay i think there is a 15 to 20 percent chance that he takes that to the legal system that it gets shot down very, 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 pretty, very quickly um, because the CBA is very clear. Um, and I think, yeah, that would be my guess at this point in time. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be, I think what's going to be really crazy is, you know, Jadavion Clowney types, Anthony Walker. There are some guys who came back because of Deshaun Watson and for one year, right? Uh, yep. You know, how does Amari Cooper's first year go with Jacoby Brissett? Yep. You know, and so obviously I've ranked Jacoby Brissett in the AFC and he is, you know, one of the bottom four kind of starters in the AFC. So um, that's that's not that's not a great sign, even if he is a OK enough quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so my thought would be is I, at this point, um, the NFL rarely doesn't get what they want is the best way I'll say that. Right. The NFL is a powerful organization they get what they want and they want a suspension of at least a year. I think they get that suspension one way or another. Um, and to be quite honest, I'd probably bet money 
the second thing I would bet money on is no suspension. I know that sounds very strange to say, but I would probably bet here or here. And in between feels like it might be difficult to get the NFL to say, hey, Sue Robinson said a year, we'll give you 12 games. That doesn't seem like that's happening. Uh, so if Sue Robinson says a year, or or I think she could say zero because of everything we've talked about tonight. Uh, but that would be the order I would go. That would be my guess at this point in time. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming. And if yeah, it feels like if she came down somewhere in the middle, the NFL is going to find a way to get it to a year. Or I, I just don't know. You know, sometimes I wonder if the NFL is just so concerned about just optics that, hey, they got their impression out there that they wanted a year. And basically, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess I am kind of in the – I thought it was going to be a year at this point. But I kind of feel like – there will be some pushback, and I want, I got one more question about sure. this process for you in a minute here, but I feel like if she comes down with a year and not like the um, indefinite, right, but just like a year, uh, you know, 17 games or whatever, like an appeal could get it to 10. Um, do you think that's possible? Is there any way they win an appeal? You just don't think the NFLPA can win an appeal, do you? I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see how they could, right? You're, yeah. you know, I can appeal to my boss that I should make a million dollars. My boss would be like, nope, right? Like it's yeah. not complicated. The NFL wants an indefinite suspension. They're not going to change a year suspension to indefinite. Like they wouldn't appeal that. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't love it. And they would come out and say, we don't think, we think Watson should have to earn his way back, whatever, but we will respect Sue Robinson's decision. I don't see how they win an appeal. Just doesn't seem like it seems like the NFLPA won Sue Robinson and they're going to lose appeals now. There's not going to be a six to four, eight to six. I think they got Sue Robinson. And so you got Sue Robinson. You ain't getting our appeals now, buddy. Yeah, that that's uh, makes a lot of sense, actually, when you explain it that way. So you brought up the legal part and not a lot of people have addressed this. If. It got really ugly, right? And, and they, you know, this is like, uh, you know, the defense says, screw you, you know, we're taking you to court, real court, legal court, right? Yeah. We're suing you over this. What does that mean then at that point? What, what happens to Sue Robinson's ruling, the appeals process, all that? What happens if Rusty... And, and and Jeff uh, lost his name Kessler. already. Kessler, and it would be more about Rusty at that point, I think, than it would Kessler. It'll but it probably be both, just because Kessler wants to get his name involved in that. Uh, okay. there, there's some billable hours. Um, yeah, so sure. what happens? The most important thing, and this is so unfortunate. I've worked with the court for so long in different ways that I know yeah. all this stuff and legal and the NFL and sports. Um, the most important thing starts with: uh, Do they does Kessler and Harden get an injunction or a stay, whatever the terminology would be in that court. If they do, then the suspension doesn't exist. Deshaun Watson plays. Tom Brady played an entire season before he served the four-game deflate gate. But if they get a stay or an injunction, there is nothing that stops the NFL from pushing ahead and wanting those court dates to happen, right? So if they get a stay and an injunction, training camp starts, Watson's going to be the starting quarterback – Week one, literally that Friday, courts aren't in on Saturday and Sunday. 
a court goes, we rule in favor of the NFL. The suspension is back in. Then it gets appealed to the appeals court by Watson. Oh, we're going to stay it. You know, it can, it can bounce back and forth. Literally in the entire season, we could be going, what, huh? Where, where are we at now? We have no idea until Friday at five o'clock, whether Deshaun Watson can play this week. So it really depends on if they get that injunction or that stay. Some courts will say he's going to get some kind of suspension. We're not going to stay the suspension, but we'll hear this hearing, which probably would end up leading to Watson dropping it. Really? Okay, so yeah, that was going to be my next question. What does a court of law, how do they interpret this? How would do they judge? Like, so they're basically judging Sue Robinson's judgment, right, at that point? Well, what they'd be judging is whether Roger Goodell, Sue Robinson, the NFL, if they stepped outside of the bounds of the CBA. Okay. The, the legal system doesn't give a crap whether they like what the CBA says or what happened. All they would be looking at is whether or not Roger Goodell over, or the NFL overstepped their bounds in their decision based on, again, things like precedent matter a lot. Uh, the CBA matters a lot. But I think what we've seen in the rulings at a kind of root level is that the CBA is it's collectively bargained. It's agreed upon. And the NFLPA agreed to X, Y, and Z. Deshaun Watson is a part of the NFLPA, so he has agreed to X, Y, and Z. This is how it's going to go. Um, and so what it really could only do or seem to do is limit or um, delay the suspension. Jacoby Brissett, you wrote an article. You mentioned it already. It's on uh, thebrownswire.com. Uh, it's all over Bleach Report's feed. It's all over uh, <laughs> everywhere. Uh, you, all of your articles are. So uh, congratulations on all your success. Oh, thank you, sir. It's a team uh, effort, a team effort. <laughs> Ranking Joby, could Jacoby Brissett, pardon me, among AFC quarterbacks. Um, and you have him. <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh... I, I use some interesting language. I decided not to use numbers, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, he is in the he's in his own tier along with players like Davis Mills. By the way, the Texans quarterback is way better than people think. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Teddy Bridgewater, and I put Chad Henney in there because uh, what he did to the Browns in the playoffs two years ago. Um, and so what that actually says though is like you're going through. He's not better than Herbert and Carr and Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill. Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence have shown that they're probably better than Jacoby Brissett. And then that leaves us down into 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, right? Right. This is that range. Davis Mills, Tua are the starters. Teddy, Chad Henney are backups. Teddy actually took Brissett's place in Miami uh, this year. And then you go to the bottom tier and you got all the Steelers quarterbacks, uh, Trubisky, Pickett. <laughs> Uh, down the down the line, you got Mason Rudolph. For some reason, you have an extra dot at the bottom, and that's going to annoy me. So I'm going to fix that. Um, but then you have a bunch of young guys, and Nick Foles and Case Keenum, right? So, um, in a lot of ways, you're talking about Jacoby Brissett being one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the AFC. But sure. last year, Baker Mayfield was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the AFC, and the Browns weren't that far off from making the playoffs, right? It was a lot closer than the than people seem to remember. A better kicker, better punter, and less turnover from the quarterback. Last year, if those three things happened, nothing else changes. Better kicker, better punter, a few less turnover from the quarterback. The Browns are in the playoffs last year, I think, in front of the Cincinnati Bengals. 
and the Bengals aren't making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, now, the Browns, I don't think the Browns would have either, but that's kind of where they're at. So can Jacoby Brissett be that? Can the And can the rest of the roster overcome the fact that he is a 13, 14, 15, whatever quarterback in the AFC, and there are, you know, 16 teams in the AFC? Yeah. Um. All right. So, Baker had his camp, uh, got in front of a camera, right, um, and talked about, um, you know, basically that they were far apart, right? Um, here we go. Is this yeah, it? frustrated the trade. Yep. Yeah. All right. I know you cover everything, so we can get this all right here. Uh, Baker on not knowing where he's going to play next. I got frustrated with it not happening before minicamp, uh, but that's the stuff that's out of my control. So, you know, he is uh, up and down growing pains, right? So now he gets it all of a sudden. Here he is talking, uh, and he looks great. He, looks in great shape. Yeah, he does. He looks fantastic. So, uh, <clears throat> and then so he uh, goes on to throw last minute into this presser like after he said you know i think it's better off they go their way i go my way he kept it real respectable it was all good right and he says uh, i would think that would take some reaching out at this point and then he kind of throws a little smirk in there like a his little cocky smirk like so i don't know you know how to interpret it but where do you stand with this? Are you still in the belief that there is no way in hell that happens? Yeah, none. Like I, I mean, I'll be honest. There are <laughs> there are a couple of players who might. Uh, oh, I think I tore my ACL. Like I am, not, and I I know that sounds really, really dramatic. But there, are that most of that team does not want to play with Baker Mayfield. Um, a few of the guys are fine or, or like him or good with him or whatever. Uh, but there are a good amount of players who are not in any way, shape, or form interested in playing with Baker Mayfield next year. We saw it last year with OBJ. Like, yes, OBJ quit on the Browns at whatever level we want to – whatever words we want to say there. But the players, John Johnson, there's a bunch of them that were like, man, we'd love to have OBJ back, right, when all that was going down because they understood what was going on there. So, uh, listen, I, I think it's 0%. It's still weird to me that he's still on the team because it seems like they're waiting for Watson's suspension. But I actually think at some level they think Watson's suspension um, <laughs> gives them more leverage. Hey, Deshaun Watson is suspended for a year. Carolina and Seattle, you still want him. We might need him, right? Like it's stupid. They we all know they're not. He's not coming back. Um, but Baker Mayfield has the high upside. Yeah. He's got the low floor. Like that dude's turnovers are really, really frustrating. Um, his leadership, his connection in that locker room, whatever. Jarvis Landry would not have even been thinking about coming back. He would have asked the Browns to cut him if Baker Mayfield was the quarterback still. Um, Jamian Clowney wouldn't have come back. Uh, literally would not have come back if Baker Mayfield was a quarterback. Wouldn't have happened. Uh, yeah, so, how does, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so how I don't know how work? you start him again, right? Um, so, yeah, it's Jacoby Brissett. Uh, now, Jacoby Brissett has a terrible injury. Maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo um, yeah. with a reworked contract. But even him, he's not really that different. 
Um, he the system really protects him in a lot of ways. Terrible over the middle of the field uh, and terrible on deep passes. Like you literally know he is throwing the ball over there, ten yards or maybe twelve. And that's about where that ball is going. Uh, at least good. So um, you think not a lot that of good options. you think that he's not like okay? So there's no way that the Browns get the year suspension comes in okay and that happens and they say Brissett's not good enough to do this we can't waste a year of all these guys in their prime let's go get Jimmy Garoppolo there's no way that happens there's one way that happens Jimmy Garoppolo gets released um the Browns will not be paying 25 million for Jimmy Garoppolo whatever portion of Baker Mayfield's contract that they have five million or whatever Jacoby Brissett and giving away any kind of draft pick now our Niners wire writer I don't know if he's ever written it or said it, uh, but I know I've had a conversation with him. They believe he's probably getting released when he's healthy enough to. They cannot release him injured because then he would get all of his contract. As soon as he's healthy, they can release him as long as he can pass a physical. They believe at some point in time, Jimmy Garoppolo is getting released. Then the Browns, the Panthers, uh, Seattle uh, uh, would be kind of in place for that. But they don't have to release Jimmy Garoppolo until final cutdown. If he's on the roster right after final cutdown, cut roster is contracts guaranteed, but they don't have to, they can wait until then. I doubt they will, but if he's cut, all of the, what we just talked about happens. Yeah. If they can get Jimmy Garoppolo at 12, <laughs> 13, maybe. Uh, but beyond that, I still don't even totally sure that would happen. I think I'll have to, I think he's a much better option than Brissett. I think Garoppolo would be much better option. And I think, I mean, you said the system protects him, but this is that system, right? So maybe, no, you disagree, huh? You think Brissett's just as good? I think it's not that far off, right? Okay. And so you've already got Brissett. He's already been here. Uh, the Brown system is going to look different this year than it has. You're going to see a lot of pistol. You're going to see a lot more 11 personnel. Um, they are – it's just not going to look the same. Now, the same run concepts, but, but the reality is the best zone schemes – run a lot of power, run a lot of duo because you get them to start looking like they're going to run them sideline to sideline and then you just crack them in their head and knock them off uh, the line with power. So um, they do run a lot of that stuff already, but Jimmy Garoppolo won't be there. And so just to kind of get him in the middle of training camp, early in training camp even, I just don't, I think they think all of that, Jacoby Brissett would be a better place for them at that point in time. Okay. A um, couple last questions here. Uh, Cam Newton. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, "What's the? what are we doing here? Um, I know I it's not Cam. real, but like yeah, Cam. Yeah, yeah, I love Cam. Like Cam's a really cool guy, really interesting. No. No. I mean, listen, I mean, we'll just go ahead and do this. It's more likely than Colin Kaepernick, and I say that only because – fully because of Jimmy Haslam's political beliefs or political connections. Um, but yeah, Cam Newton's way more likely than, than Colin Kaepernick. Wouldn't Colin Kaepernick, uh, gain the Browns some good favor in light of all this bad, uh, press. Um, not based on every Facebook comment I've ever seen. And the Facebook is now closer to the traditional, uh, the typical world than the niche of kind of Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Like, you would lose... Really? You'd lose... I mean, I, I'm going to oversimplify this. Like, I think you lost a lot of women with Deshaun Watson 
Uh, I think you lost a lot of uh, more uh, progressive men uh, with Deshaun Watson. I think you lose a lot of conservative men and women uh, with Colin Kaepernick. And I don't mean that just politically, but I mean that in general. I think you lose a lot more of that part of your fan base and have to deal with even more ugly. Uh, Now, Twitter would celebrate you, right? Twitter celebrated the Las Vegas Raiders for, for working him out but Twitter is approximately 10% to 5% of the traditional population of sports fans. So yeah, that, that population would be like, Oh my goodness, they're giving him a chance. The Browns fan base would not. So you're telling me Facebook is that most accurate. It's of- closer. Yeah. Your grandma and grandpa, I don't know your grandma and grandpa uncles are on it on Facebook. And so when you look at, I mean, listen, it is, a, it can not just Facebook, Twitter, or social media, but Facebook is going to give you a, a little bit of a closer, um, you're going to get 40 comments on an article on Facebook that you're going to get five on Twitter okay. and almost in a dichotomous kind of way, they're going to be different. There are going to yeah. be the five on, on social, on Twitter is going to be this, the 20 over here are going to be this, and they're rarely going to look the same. Interesting. I did not know that. I, I, now that I think about it, it makes more sense because a lot of the people that older people uh, are are not on Twitter or Instagram yeah. or whatever. They're on Facebook. They're in you know talk of the town. They're in their Browns group, and they're gonna you know say their their thoughts there. The 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 uh, woke crowd is not so much uh, uh, is vocal there, I guess. No, and and generally speaking, politically from our from our history, older people just in general are more conservative because most of the not always, but have they've lived their life and they like the way life has been and they don't want things to change. Younger people tend to want things to change, right? Like because they haven't lived their life yet and they may, maybe don't like certain things, and so younger people tend to lean. Uh, more progressive, but then when they get older, they tend to be more conservative, right or wrong. That's kind of a, a traditional way. So, if you meet someone who's eighty, most likely they're going to be conservative in their time, but they may have been progressive when they were twenty, and now the world has been whatever it's been, and now they're more conservative because they want things to stay the same. They don't like change because they're not used to it. Sure, I get that. Uh, last thing, let's hit on Kareem Hunt real quick. Sure. Kareem had his uh, camp today, said he's healthy, right? Uh, that's good news. What's this? He wants an extension. So This I is mean, the second or third time he's actually said this, which is really right. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen, there's been talk that Kareem Hunt was uh, part of the possible Deshaun Watson trade or in trade discussions this offseason. That would have killed the locker room in a lot of ways. Uh, Kareem Hunt doesn't want to go anywhere. Cremont wants to get paid, but Cremont doesn't want to go anywhere. Uh, I don't know how the Browns figure that out. Uh, just I just don't. Um, they're paying him pretty well. I think he's at eight this year, somewhere in that range, uh, if I'm right off the top of my head. Um, I just don't see how they pay. A, you know, we were talking about a pre-show. Somehow Kareem Hunt is 26 years old, man. Like, I don't get it. He'll be 27 for this season. Uh, he's, you know, going to turn 27 soon. But he's only 27. He's only taken 300 and some carries for the Browns. Um, he still has more carries in his years with Kansas City than he does with the Browns, more receptions with the Browns. I just don't see how they afford it. I just don't see how it makes sense financially uh, with Chubb's extension. It made more sense when Chubb was just on his rookie contract. 
uh, to have a little bit more of a higher paid backup. It'd be great. I mean, yeah. Hunt doesn't want to go anywhere. That dude represents Cleveland uh, or wants to represent Cleveland. He, he has Cleveland on his chest, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's a redemption story, like nothing but good things. He, you know, I'm going to write about his camp. I haven't got to it just because of golf. Uh, but he had a charity top golf event and bowling. He has this youth camp in Willoughby Heights. Like he, you know, is involved in so many things in the community. Uh, and that's who he really is now. Uh, whatever was in the past, it, it's it's tough to let it go, but I just don't see how it all tends to work out. The NFLPA doesn't want him taken. They want him to be a starting running back, right? So yeah, uh, they want him making ten million a year. Interesting. Uh, you know, I would I feel more strong. It's hard because we talked about this before culturally. There's some value in keeping a guy like that here, right? He wants to be here. He represents the area. He's a good story, uh, you know, a redemption story. And and somebody that wants to be here and wants to win here brings value to the locker room. It does. And uh, but it, but enough value that you pay him what he's gonna make on the market. Right? But here, I think what's really interesting. We talked about this a little bit ago. Watson gets suspended. All of a sudden, you got this huge chunk of change, and you say to Kareem Hunt, "All right, cool. Like we yeah. got this extra money, and we love you. We're gonna value you. All of that. What we're gonna need you to do is have a contract that looks like this, but we'll pay you market value because of this really unique situation. Uh, we're gonna give it. We're gonna give part of that to you. That that could make some sense. Uh, buy some goodwill. Um, I think they need to use him more as a slot receiver as well as a running back." Um, which could, again, up his value a little bit. Um, so I think Watson's suspension could open that a little bit. I heard in – I keep leaning back. I heard that in uh, um, minicamp there was a lot of two running back stuff mm-hmm. uh, out there that's yeah. different, right? Yeah, they actually did – from what I understand, not during media time, if I remember correctly from what I heard it, um, they were experimenting with uh, – Chubb and Hunt in the backfield, Demetric Felton as um, slot, and then motioning and moving those around. Chubb obviously generally doesn't move out unless they go five wide or whatever. But to really create this idea, because you can have one of those guys coming on a jet sweep, handoff, Anthony Schwartz coming on a jet sweep, a lot of movement with three running backs. Chubb is still fine in the backfield, but or sorry, coming out of the backfield as a receiver, but Hunt and Felton are really good receivers. So there is a lot of flexibility there that we will see. And again, you add in that pistol idea. Um, the media did see a triple option, right? Legit saw Deshaun Watson, <laughs> Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt running a triple option. Like, mm, yeah, buddy. Yeah, sure. Love that. Um, okay. Where does Baker go? What's really interesting is I have heard from very good sources, both the Panthers and the Seahawks, so I have no freaking idea. I just don't. Um, All the reports are that Carolina seems a little bit more in than Seattle seems in. The problem for most people believe Jimmy Garoppolo goes to one, Baker goes to the other. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will not be traded to Seattle. Carolina doesn't want to take on – uh, all of that contract and San Francisco doesn't need to. So it, 
Jimmy Garoppolo kind of play decides that, which means San Francisco is kind of the holding pattern. Uh, I, I think it's one of those two. Obviously, an injury will change that, but uh, and I think I said it on this show, maybe not. Uh, maybe it was 92-3, but the other thing to remember, Baker Mayfield agreed to be excused from mandatory minicamp. So did the Browns. Baker Mayfield has not, has not agreed to be excused from training camp, and the Browns cannot keep him away. They That would violate the CBA. He has to be allowed to come to training camp if he decides to. So you want to understand drama? If that trade doesn't happen, the Cleveland Browns then have two options. If Baker Mayfield says, I'm coming, two options. Release him, trade him for whatever's available. Lose all the leverage, all play of that. Play him or play him. Or play him, right. Well, let him come to camp and then deal with all that comes with that. Along with the fact that at that point, Watson was just suspended. Like... I want to cover football, y'all. Like, I want to talk about the pistol. I want to talk about, like, I don't want to know all this crap about legal stuff that I know. I have to know for my job here. <laughs> I just don't uh, want to know about football. All right. I promise. Last question. Not you. Um, oh, oh, I know. I know. I'm just saying, I, you know, we, we've been talking for uh, an hour now. But I let's circle back, okay? Full circle here on All Eyes on Cleveland with Jared Mueller, the managing editor at the Browns Wire, USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm Brad Ward. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, back in video uh, edition coming to you uh, right in your home. Hopefully you're having a lovely evening. I think we have a comment here. Hang on. Let's see what this says. Oh, hey, hey now. Come back here. Uh, <laughs> great talk, boys. All right, well, I can throw that up there, I guess. As the NFL looks to punish Browns and Watson, ends up giving him a full season suspension because the NFL hates Cleveland. I think a lot of people feel that way. Uh, so, <laughs> well, yeah, um, and I'll be honest. The interesting thing is the juxtaposition behind my head right now: the Art Modell punching the Browns dog from the Sports Illustrated when he when he took the team. Uh, you know, I, you know, obviously the the game changer that was for this franchise. And right next to it, I was given a champagne bottle, a Browns champagne bottle. And that bad boy is not getting opened until they win the AFC championship game. And so they're going to the Super Bowl. That bad boy gets open then. But I feel like it's a uh, I, I put them there. I'm in full re I'm down in the basement now. Fully that writer who is in the basement, not my mom's basement. Uh, but as I'm really kind of putting things together, those two things seem to really make sense. Uh, such a game-changing time for the the Browns. Um, and then, obviously, if they ever get win the ASU Championship game, I'm drinking what probably is not the greatest tasting champagne. I want to say this while we're on the air. I've heard this question bandied about on a lot of different shows. Um do the Browns regret this trade? I would like to say firmly that they do not, in my opinion, and they will not. I think they embrace what happens regardless of what happens because for them, it's about the long term. For them, it's about someday this guy is going to be our quarterback for the next 5, 10, 15 years, and he will take this organization to on the field 
winning heights that they may have never been before. And that is what the whole reason of the trade was made. Despite, and I understand everybody out there that's taking down your brown stuff. I get where you're coming from. I understand everybody out there that feels that that trade was wrong on a ethical, moral basis. But as a football decision, I will stick by that it was sound in that you never get this opportunity, Jared, and he will be your quarterback regardless when the dust clears and all this is over and it's taken forever and it's gotten uglier than they probably ever thought. He will be your quarterback for the next 10 years and he will win a lot of games, throw a lot of touchdowns, and potentially give you the best chance to win a Super Bowl that you've ever had. Yeah, nothing about where we're currently at, including an indefinite suspension, would surprise the Cleveland Browns. So for them to regret a decision that nothing new at some level, right? They knew there could be these other possible, you know, civil lawsuits and all that stuff. Nothing new has come out. No new possible discipline, no new criminal charges. It's just such a silly, illogical thing. Like, oh my goodness, all of this stuff that's happened was expected or possible. Everyone knew it, but do you think they regret it? Like, I get it. I, don't, I regret they made the trade because I have to deal with it. But on the field, you're exactly right. They believe at some point in time he's going to be their quarterback and you don't get this opportunity, which is bull crap because these idiots should have just drafted him in the first place. Um, yeah, good point. I, I kind of wanted him. Him and Patrick Mahomes were kind of high on my list back then. Uh, but you don't get this opportunity. So why would they regret something? No, Now, if he had new charges significantly like he did this, this, and this, okay, we might regret this, right? Yeah. Jail Nothing's time, new. Right? Nothing's yeah. different. Nothing's surprising. Um, so, yeah, nah, they don't have any regret. Yeah. I, I don't think they do either. And uh, I keep saying it, the only way is through uh, for the Browns at this point. That's, that's and, a great uh, way to say it. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, last thing then, with that in mind, a uh, good transition here. Timeline? I, I saw you wrote, you think it'll be a decision by the end of the week. Do you still think that? I mean, we're going day three. Tomorrow is Thursday. Uh, we initially probably thought maybe they like to drop stuff in that late Friday news dump right in the summertime. They like to drop their bad stuff then. They did it on Saturday last week, strangely enough, which was weird. Uh, anything you think it comes out this week or are we looking at next week? I, I actually don't think it's going to come out this week. That was a report by AP that uh, – I'm sorry. That was a report by Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. Um, the fact that it's gone tomorrow – it's going on tomorrow. Um, you know, a federal judge isn't – we all are – if we were gathering that information, we'd be making our decision as we go. The federal judge isn't doing that. She's gathering information, gathering information, gathering information, and then she's going to parse it out. I think – Ian Rappaport yesterday said a couple weeks uh, is what I heard from him. And the reason he said that, I think, was because he knew it would go day three. He didn't say it that way. But uh, after day one, it was pretty clear it was going at least three days. Uh, So I think at this point in time, we're talking about mid-July. And quite frankly, it would not shock me, and I don't remember all the exact dates. But let's say the Browns go July 26th. But the other teams can – a couple of the other teams can start – a few days before that would not shock me the day other teams start camp Deshaun Watson gets suspended because that gives the Browns like four days, five days uh, to kind of get their stuff in order. That would not shock me at this point in time. Um, I think it's, they still want it quicker sooner than that, uh, but it, it definitely will be before training camp. 
Yeah, you would hope so, but you just, I wonder about, like, so how long does Sue take? It, she's got to take, she, she has to, you know, again, once again, we don't know, but she has to have, take account for training camp, you would think. Um, but the once NFL again, wants it, Watson wants it. There's no reason for that not to happen. But what about the appeal? Can the appeals process run into training camp? Maybe. No, it'll go very fast. So the reason the appeal process took a little while before is the, the Roger Goodell is just like, here, you got six games. There was no, no, this hearing didn't happen or didn't happen in the way, uh, it's happening now. Sure. And so there's going to be no new evidence. There's going to be no convincing, it's going to be literally them going in, hey, we said this during the hearing, and we think Sue Robinson got it wrong, and Goodell was involved in all that or got all that information. So there's nothing new going to happen. I think the appeal process takes 48 hours or so, maybe 72, uh, but I don't think it's going to be a long process. Very good. I think that's it, Jared. Uh, this has been All Eyes on Cleveland. Any fi- final words? Jared Mueller, managing editor of USA today sports media group the browns wire he's a gentleman and a scholar very intelligent uh it knows all of this stuff in and out i appreciate your time sir you're always fantastic and always uh, uh, a joy to have on the show any parting words for our listeners here uh i think i've been saying this a few times lately but i'm going to continue to say it please enjoy life find that joy find that happiness find those things that that you value spend your energy uh it's the thing i say to all my clients Feed what you want to grow, starve what you don't, right? Like spend your energy out, folks, on the things that matter to you, things that are important to you, things that make you smile, things that make you laugh. I watch professional wrestling. It's the dumbest thing in the world, and it's amazing because I enjoy it. So do those things. I really want to encourage you to do that. And if, if it's not always the Cleveland Browns, then don't make it always the Cleveland Browns. You can always click on the Browns wire and catch up when you are ready to catch up and just start clicking your way through. Roll on through. Uh, but make sure you're taking care of yourself uh, and take care of those that, that you love. And of course, you know, listen to All Eyes on Cleveland when you have time too. Or yeah, make it. sure you get your ears and eyes on Cleveland, y'all. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well done, sir. I love the pun. I appreciate uh, you. I appreciate you, man. Uh, for Jared Mueller, Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. And with that, we are out.